Happy Advent. It's one of those phrases we don't use very much. Welcome to Advent. It's the first Sunday of the four Sundays before Christmas. Five Sundays today. Oh, we'll be sitting back. Whatever great movie is on. Doctor Who special. A tedious Strictly Come Dancing Christmas Bonanza. Advent is a season where there is a journey of preparation, a journey of readying, a journey of expectation for Christmas. I was with some friends this weekend, and their two little children are very expectant about Christmas. And they were slightly confused, the four-year-old and the two-year-old, the four-year-old particularly, of why we were doing Advent today and weren't opening the chocolate. I said, well, that starts on the 1st of December. And they said, well, why is it Advent in November? I hadn't got an answer to that, but um, I just said that's the way it is. I had an answer, but a four-year-old wouldn't grasp it. Um. <laughs> anyway, one of the themes of, of Advent is, is hope. Can you pop the, um, the PowerPoint up for me? There we go. Hope. Hope. I'm going to read... Uh, it's not going to be on the screen. I'd like you to, to listen to it and particularly kind of carry in your mind the references in, this is from Ephesians, but uh, in reference to hope. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. For this reason... Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the age to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything from the church, for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Hope is a, a theme of Advent, rightly so. Hope is a theme for Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope. 
and without God in the world. Chapter 4, 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. What are you hoping for for Christmas? You've not written to Santa yet, have you? Here's um, a video clip. It's from a great film, Shawshank Redemption, all about the theme of hope. In it, the, uh, the main character who is... Well, I, I, has everyone seen the film? I don't want to spoil it too much. The main character is locked up in this it's very violent prison in America. And he's kind of got himself into being able to, to do some administration. And he's been trusted by the warden and the prison guards. And he takes a moment to, um, to put on a record in the office and locks the door and broadcasts it all over the prison. You're mine now. Andy got two weeks in the hole for that little stunt. On your feet! Hey, look who's here. Nice row. Hey. You, you couldn't play something good, huh? Hank Williams or something? They broke the door down before I could take requests. Was it worth it? Two weeks in the hall? Easiest time I ever did. Oh, shit. No such thing as easy time in the hall. That's right. A week in the hall is like a year. Damn straight. I had Mr. Mozart to keep me company. <laughs> so they let you tote that record player down there, huh? He's in here. In here. That's the beauty of music. They can't get that from you. Haven't you ever felt that way about music? Well, I played a mean harmonica as a younger man. Lost interest in it, though. Didn't make much sense in here. Here's where it makes the most sense. You need it so you don't forget. Forget? Forget that there are places in the world that aren't made out of stone, that there's a... There's something inside that they can't get to that they, they can't touch it's yours what are you talking about hope hope let me tell you something my friend hope is a dangerous thing hope can drive a man insane it's got no use on the inside I pray that also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Hope is a powerful thing. Hope is a funny thing. Is uh, someone who was commenting on hope comes easy to some people, maybe too easy. The story is told of, uh, by Milton Berle uh, about these kinds of people, how much hope can triumph over good sense. There were four widows in uh, an old people's home playing cards where they lived. And in walks a very handsome older gentleman with bags, his suitcases in each arm. What's a good-looking man like you doing here? One asks, I'm moving in, he says. 
Oh, says another, where are you from? Well, I've been in prison for the last 15 years. <gasps> prison? Prison. Yes, he says, the can, the clink, the slam of the prison at Her Majesty's pleasure. Oh, says one. What did you do? He paused and said, I murdered my wife. I cut her up and buried her in the backyard. Long pause. Then one of them pipes up. So you're single? <laughs> <laughs> Hopelessness is a, a tragic thing as well. Hope is, an, uh, hope is an indispensable quality of life. More than we realize. In uh, the Shawshank Redemption, he said, uh, hope uh, lets your spirit soar. Hope is within. Hope is what gives you the courage when everything else seems to scream no hope. Conversely, hopelessness is tragic. Someone has said that if you could convince a person that there is no hope, he would curse the day he was born. Hope is indispensable and essential. We can't live without it. We need hope. I don't know if you've come across stories. There was a, um, from time to time, you, you hear about people who are trapped either in an earthquake or who are lost at sea. And there is, there is something about those who survive versus those who don't. The ones that survive are holding on, saying, I will be rescued. I know someone will find me. The rescuers will come. It will be okay in the end. For those who don't, they often perish quickly. Those who end their lives, take their lives Often, when people try to work out why did they take that final big step, often because they can't see a way out, a why to go on. Hopelessness. Hope is indispensable in life. And it doesn't come from stuff. Boris Becker won Wimbledon twice but nearly came close to taking his life through being overwhelmed by a sense of hopelessness and emptiness. Even though he was enormously successful, something was missing. He said, I had won Wimbledon twice, once as the youngest player ever. I was rich, I had all the material possessions I needed, money, cars, women, everything. I know that this is a cliche. It's the old song of the movie and pop stars who commit suicide. They have everything and yet are so unhappy. No inner peace. Hope. Hope is so critical for us. And Advent and Jesus puts hope front and center as we look forward to Christmas and, and the children with gleaming faces and expectancy, uh, and the, the younger they are, they wake up every morning, is it here yet? No, it's coming. It's coming. With a rising enthusiasm, a certainty that what we look forward to for that day will arrive. Hope. Lots of people who miss hope miss such a deep satisfaction and purpose. Uh, other, many, many philosophers, many uh, thinkers um, could be summed up like this and, and describe that without hope there is um, something deeply, deeply missing. I hope you've heard of some of these people. Um, Voltaire was a philosopher and, and he, he found, he kind of formulated that I, at the end of his life, having thought deep thoughts 
and rejected belief in the divine of God, at the end of his life, he says, I wish I'd never been born. Where do we find purpose and meaning? Uh, Lord Byron lived a life as pleasure if anyone did. He wrote, the worm, the canker, and grief are mine alone after experiencing all sorts of pleasures. Not in money, an American millionaire had plenty of that. When he died, he said, I suppose I'm the most miserable man on earth. In fame and position, uh, Lord Beaconsfield enjoyed more than a fair share of both. He wrote, youth is a mistake, manhood a struggle, old age a regret. Bundle of joy, hey? Not in military glory. Alexander the Great conquered the known world in his day. Having conquered so, he wept in his tent before he said, there are no more worlds to conquer. Where is hope found? Advent reminds us it's in Christ and Christ alone. Even science can't give us salvation, only Jesus Christ. Hope is an essential characteristic of the Christian life. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Let us uns- uh, Hebrews, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promises is faithful. First Peter, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So what is Christian hope? Christian hope is trusting in God, who is the foundation, the ground, the rock of hope. See, faith in God is not, is not vague or unknown, but actually in the person and reality of God, who he is. It's not sort of there's God and hope is separate. God is the one in whom we hope for. Advent reminds us as we prepare for the coming of Jesus as he's born amongst us, God made flesh man amongst us. The long ages, centuries past, waiting for the promise, the expectation, the hope of the ages to come. And in this journey of Advent, we remind ourselves that hope gives life. Hope is an indispensable part of the Christian journey. It's in God himself. God has revealed himself again and again through the pages of the Old Testament, decades, centuries, as being faithful to his word and trustworthy, and essentially so in the coming of the Lord Jesus. That again and again, as we will read in the carol services in a few weeks, of the testimony of prophecy written decades, centuries before the birth of Jesus, God said, I will do this. This is how I will do it. I will establish my kingdom through the coming of the Messiah. We'll hear more of that. God is always faithful and true. That is his character. In Romans chapter 4, Paul uh, argues about how we, God is trustworthy and certain from the experience of Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament. Abraham had no historical basis because he only just heard the call of God or any external kind of reason of why to believe in God. And yet God said, I will make you a great nation. They were elderly and without children. But yet Abraham and Sarah said, we will trust what the God has said. That through Abraham and Sarah, they would be the father of many nations. There was no ground for hope other than trusting in the truth and certainty of God's word. 
And that faith was based in that relationship of trusting him. Abraham and his hope grew because he believed in God and in the hope that God is. Even when in human terms all that hope was gone. For us as Christians, it's the same, but with a greater confidence, a bigger hope that Jesus is with us. We've already sung it, that he was raised from the dead. That the resurrection of Jesus has become so important because it marks the beginning, the fruition, the, the, the inauguration of the new age, the new reign determined by God who said it would happen. And we've got that past event as we share in bread and wine to say, yet yeah, it has begun. We're not just looking forward. We can look back and say, yes, God has intervened. And now we live with that confidence and certainty. God has revealed himself as faithful to his word and trustworthy. That is his character. Let me show you another video. There should be sound. is based in him, the one who has said. Secondly, hope is waiting patiently. For my friend's children, each day brings them a day closer. And they go to sleep going, oh, I can't wait till I wake up. It's a day the day closer. And I think if they could, they'd press the fast forward button. But they can't. They must wait patiently. Our hope is based in the present, in the now. That's all we can do. But it's anchored so firmly in the past, as I've already mentioned, in what God has done in Jesus Christ that gives us that extra step, that extra kind of step up on the ladder, if we can put it that way, to say we're not just waiting for a future event. We are certain because of what he has done. And to say he will not leave us and he will fulfill all that he has promised. God is faithful, Christ is risen. And that gives as a basis of confidence now. We wait patiently. 
The Holy Spirit has been given to us now. I read that in Ephesians uh, chapter 1, 13, 14. He has chosen us and given us the Holy Spirit as a down payment, as a, a recognition that we have in part, but we yearn for full. It's a bit like this. They'll let be out soon. The little snowdrops will be pushing up through the snow. I'm hopeful they might get a bit of snow this year. But for those of us who, I know Phil is one of these who can't wait for the, what, the rising of the summer sun and the, the warmth of the summer day, the snowdrop is a sign that it's coming. It's coming. Even in the darkest bit of winter, the sign and the herald of the new age. The down payment, the guarantee, the taster. A snowdrop in winter of what hope is about. It's not yet completely summer, it's still dark midwinter, but there is beauty visible to be appreciated and cherished now. You see, the hope that we wait patiently, as I've said, is, is based on those two things. The reality that Jesus has won victory over evil and death, and he is risen and alive. Hallelujah. And hope is based, too, on the gift of the Holy Spirit who brings hope again and again to our heart in the midst of living, in the midst of the journey that we're in, sometimes in the midst of suffering and pain, to say, yes, we will still look up and look forward. Hope gives us confidence now, even in the midst of suffering. Someone, a guy called Larry Olson, in his book, Outdoor Survival Skills, uh, tells this story. He tells the story of a man who's been lost in the desert for days. He's out of food and water. His lips are parched and cracked. His tongue is swollen. His legs are bruised and bleeding from crawling, and his skin is scorched by the sun, bitten by insects, pricked by cactus thorns. Not having a good time. As he pulls himself over the next sand dune, he sees nothing but more wasteland through his bloodshot sand-peppered eyes. And he says... You know, a few more days of this and I might get discouraged. Christians aren't immune from suffering, from pain. Karis was sharing this morning about our brothers and sisters in the Middle East, particularly, who have faced and witnessed ordeals that we dare not describe. Maybe we should. Of people who would not yield. Sisters and brothers who faced the gun and the bullet and the knife and all that went with it for the hope set before them. For the person whose marriage is struggling, who has been widowed untimely, the person who's made redundant. The person living through challenging disability. Still the eyes lifted up. Where does my hope come from? From the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You see, hope is in the present, is the source of strength for a Christian because of what Jesus has done and because of the alongside presence of the Holy Spirit, the guarantee, the snowdrop of faith of what Christ has done, that he will bring all things to fulfillment. 
that our trust in God will not be vanity or evaporate like the dawn mist. You see, we know that on all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. That we might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Patiently, we wait. Hopefully, we wait. A man once observed a... Um, can you click on for me, Jack? It's, there we go. A man once observed a young boy out in a field flying a kite, and he noticed there was something a little bit strange about the way the boy was standing and the way that he was holding the kite, and he wasn't really looking up. He walked up to the boy and then learned that the boy couldn't see, he was blind. And so asked, do you like to fly kites? Yeah, of course I do, said the boy. The man was curious. How is it that when you can't see, how do you do it? The boy thought for a moment and said this, I may not be able to see it, but I can feel it tugging. You see, we may not be able to see clearly, but the thread of hope, the reminder that God is always faithful, of looking up and beyond with a confidence, a certainty, a hope that can't be taken from within, is like the little boy. We may not be able to see but we know with an ever-present tug that it is there. Hope is in God, the certainty of, and the ground of our faith. We wait patiently. And hope is, hope is confidence for the future in God. See, biblical hope is, is kind of like inseparable from faith in God, they're, they're implicitly linked. When we talk about faith, we're immediately saying we're hopeful. When we talk that we're being hopeful, we're immediately holding on in faith, saying, yeah, I believe because of what God has done and what he has done in the coming of Jesus. It's amazing. Someone describes it like this. Hope is faith. Sorry, faith is patience with the lamp lit. It's a description of hope. Hope is faith standing on tiptoe. I like that. Straining up and reaching. We anticipate the future. We look forward, remembering that there is that ever-present, gentle reminder that we are linked to a greater future, one that can't be robbed or stolen or destroyed. Nothing can separate us from him. No one can snatch us from his hand. We press on. Press on patiently, sometimes through difficulties. I'm reminded of, uh, when I think of that, always of, of a time that I was walking in Nepal, in the Himalayas, and I'd never been on a trekking holiday before. It was a little bit of a mad thing to do. And I went with some friends, and we were carrying 15, 16 kilos on our back. We didn't want to hire porters because we couldn't afford them. And we sort of started off our walk at about uh, 2,800 meters. And we, our goal was to get to 5,500 meters. We were about halfway from sea level when we started. 
And it would have been disconcerting and demoralizing for it all to be uphill, but it was kind of worse because it started off at 2,800, and then we descended 1,000 meters before we had to start climbing again. And then we got up to a bit higher, and then the valley came, and we had to go down again. And then we had to go up again. And gradually, day by day, we went higher and higher. And as we went higher and higher, the oxygen level decreased. And there were days halfway through when my feet were sore and my back was aching, and I thought, what am I doing in this place? And it was still about seven days to the nearest road, and there was no way out, so I had to keep going. I couldn't turn back. There was nowhere to escape. But I endured, and I persevered, and I trudged right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, looking upwards, looking forwards. Because I wanted to reach the goal to complete. And I knew that if I did, there'd be a reward for my obedience and my diligence. Whenever I thought, what am I doing this for? I thought of putting down the rucksack, taking off my sweaty, smelly walking boots and giving up. I thought, no, come on. I'm looking forward to being on top of that peak and saying, I've done it. You see, part of what we're doing in this meal that we're about to share is encapsulated, is summed up of that past, present, and future. The past of of that time that Jesus took bread and broke it and said, this is my body, it's broken for you, remember me. That our hope, that our faith is grounded, certain, confident, established, rooted, stems from that. And we eat it in the present, in the now, to say wherever we are in the journey, wherever we are, and we may be waiting patiently, and it may be a difficult time, it may be a joyous time, but we're saying, yes, I'm trusting again. I'm receiving this in faith, trusting in Jesus, the Savior, and the Lord of my life. And I'm eating this with a hope and a confidence in the future, where we will eat it afresh with the Lord. We're eating it with him now in his, by his spirit. He is with us. But the reminder of communion that we will be with him in eternity, that we will be able to share in the great banquet, the heavenly feast that he has reserved a place for us at. What a great hope. What a joyous reminder. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, in the communist era in the Soviet Union, said that once during his long imprisonment in a labor camp, he became so discouraged, so, so discouraged, at the thought that there was nowhere else in life to go. This was it. Hard labor, extreme cold, nothing else. He became so discouraged that he thought about ending things. He was outdoors on work detail and he'd he'd reached the point where he no longer cared whether he lived or died. Once when he had a break, he sat down and a stranger sat next to him, someone he'd never seen before and would never see again. For no apparent reason, the stranger sitting by him took a stick and drew a cross on the ground 
Alexander sat and stared at the cross for a long while. He later wrote about that time of reflection. He said, staring at the cross, I realized that therein lies freedom. At that point in the midst of the storm, he now received new courage and the will to live. The storm didn't finish that day. There was no shaft of light and miraculous opening of the gates and a a cavalcade to ride him to a comfortable life. But he said, through Jesus, I found the strength to ride it out. I don't know what storm of life you're in at the moment, what what season, what place, what discouragements, what challenges in prayer you're holding out for. But this is true. Even if the storm rages around you, if you listen very carefully with your heart, you'll hear a gentle voice calling to you, tugging away. Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And in time, you know, the storm does pass. And Jesus is still there. Let's pray together.